And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And welcome to the show this morning, of course. It's the day after MLK Day holiday, so it's a holiday-shortened week, and uh, things are going to move by here pretty quickly this week. Of course, we're getting ready to kick off earnings in a big way. Starting today, we're now getting into earnings season in full. Last week, we saw a little bit from J.P. Morgan. Today, we're going to see some more banks report. After the bell as well, we'll see J.B. Hunt reporting on transportation. That'll be an interesting report because of the continuing supply chain disruptions. And to see what uh, J.P. Hunt has to say about transportation, what's happening with trucking really kind of across the area, across the country. Um, the, the ports in California, of course, on the West Coast still remain very clogged up. So, again, we, we haven't quite resolved all of the supply chain disruptions, but things are starting to thaw out. We are starting to see some indications that uh, things are beginning to kind of ease up here a little bit. Now, this morning, futures are pointing down here at the open. We're going to have a little bit of a sell-off potentially right at the open, but we saw this on, on Friday as well. Market sold off on Friday, rebounded, rallied back up towards resistance again. Uh, market's really struggling right here with uh, both the 50 and the 20-day moving average kind of sitting on top of each other. Uh, the markets are sitting below that. So rallies kind of keep running into this resistance level, having trouble getting above that. And of course, part of that has to do with the fact interest rates are going up. Uh, Ten-year Treasury about 1.8% this morning. Real yields, once we adjust for inflation, have been surging quite a bit here lately. And those have been going up sharply here because of this inflation number. And now the Federal Reserve is as there's a 100% expectation that the Federal Reserve will hike rates not once, not twice, not three times, but four times in 2022. So again, now we're starting to talk about really a, a much faster rate of constriction. Expected that there will be a rate hike by March uh, nonetheless. So that's been moved up considerably. Uh, from where it was in June and July just a couple of months ago. So again, the, the speed at which now the Federal Reserve is going to be taking action to reduce monetary policy is going to be a lot faster than what previously expected. That's also weighing on stocks here near term. So uh, again, there is some pressure in the markets now. Markets don't really seem to be overly concerned about this. And again, you know, while the markets have kind of been going through this grinding correction here, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, so far, the first couple of weeks of January, which typically tend to be positive, not so much. Um, they say that so goes the month of January, so goes the year. And if that holds true, so far January doesn't look that great. But that's also the crux of our Technically Speaking post on our website today, is just looking at the historical perspective of January is kind of going back in history, uh, what the odds of success are, and really kind of what to be thinking about as we move forward through the rest of this year. Again, there is a there is a risk of a correction here, but in the short term, I continue to suggest that you know be a little bit cautious here about making any wholesale changes in portfolios because of well concerns 
that we may have a more negative year this year. Again, even if that works out that way, it doesn't mean markets go straight down. And markets are getting back to fairly oversold levels here on a short-term basis on, on, on really kind of every level. Our money flow indicators is, is getting towards lower levels. The, the oversold condition of the market itself is getting pretty oversold. Uh, typically, that suggests that with markets kind of holding pretty decent support along these recent lows that really kind of go back to the peaks of November, um, it suggests that you're probably going to get a little bounce here in the markets, and that'll give you a better opportunity to rebalance some risk and, and be thinking about this, right? Um, you know, where is it that you want to kind of be in a market environment where you've got rising interest rates, you've got, you know, higher inflation, you know, economic growth is going to slow down this year, profit margins are going to, are going to peak and start to fall. So you want to start looking for companies that do better in that environment. Now, initially that push has been into energy and banks. Energy's had a huge run since the beginning of this year. And, and in fact, you know, banks have done well themselves. Now other sectors have not. So again, you know, this oversold bounce that we'll get will likely see a rotation from those stocks back into some of the growth stocks that have been hurt by inflation here recently, just, just for an oversold bounce condition. And then you might want to start looking at rotating. If you have a lot of high beta growth stocks in your portfolio, start to look to rotate out towards companies that tend to perform better in environments where they can just continue to kind of grow earnings. They grow earnings at a steady basis. These are those real boring companies that, that we talk about all the time. Um, you know, companies that really are more what we call recession proof. In other words, it doesn't matter what's happening in the economy. Still, people still have to buy toothpaste and toilet paper and, you know, all those type of things. So there's some things, some companies that will be able to generate earnings better in an environment where you have higher rates of inflation. In other words, they can absorb inflation and pass it on to consumers better than other comp companies. Uh, oil companies are a good example of that. It doesn't matter what oil prices are, what inflation is, you're gonna buy gas at the pump, period. And that's just, that's an ability to pass that cost on. Other companies don't because I have a choice whether or not, for instance, I buy a new computer now or if I wait for later. My computer's okay right now. I don't need, I was thinking about buying one, I'll wait. Those companies tend not to perform as well because people can make those discretionary decisions to postpone purchases. I can't make a discretionary decision not to buy gas to drive to work. Don't have that choice. So those are the things to think about in your portfolio. Also, don't forget that when the Fed is raising rates on the short end of the curve, on the longer end of the curve, we're talking about 10-year and 30-year bonds. Those tend to perform better as well. Those yields tend to fall. That's how we get what's called an inverted yield curve. That's what creates that. Short ends come up because people are worried about the short-term impact of money because of inflation. But they're also realized that that short-term inflationary push in the market is also going to create an, an economic recessionary environment in the future. So long ends of the curve go down. So 10-year, 20-year, 30-year bonds, those tend to fall um, when Fed is hiking rates and tightening monetary policy. So don't disregard bonds in your portfolio, which provide safety and income uh, in your portfolio. And also in, in this case, you know, kind of looking for a gain of capital appreciation. Now in the short term, rates are rising. I get it, right? That's that initial kind of knee-jerk reaction of the markets. But once we begin to get in that environment where the Fed is actually beginning to taper their balance sheet, and the economy is starting to slow because of it, that's where you'll see yields start to fall. Yields are a reflection of economic growth. Inflation will be coming down, so yields also track inflation. 
longer term as well. So again, kind of be careful of the narrative here in the short term. It's like, oh my gosh, don't be in bonds because rates are going up. Um, think a little bit longer term. Um, once this, this impact of a constriction in monetary policy begins to take into place, you're going to get slower economic growth. Inflation is going to come down because you have slower economic growth. Layoffs are going to pick up, et cetera. And, and when you have that environment, then that's where yields will start to fall again. So again, be kind of thinking about that, not necessarily today, but something to consider in your portfolio here a little bit longer term. So when we come back from the break, lots of stuff to get into this morning, of course, to catch up from a long holiday, uh, but also kind of looking out here over the next you know, couple weeks, couple months, as we start to get into earnings season, kind of what to expect. This is probably going to be about as good as it gets in terms of earnings. And so we'll talk about that when we come back from the break. I'm your host, Lance Roberts for The Real Investment Show. Get by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Our technically speaking post about the statistics of January is up on the website now. Be right back. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. And welcome back to the show this morning. It's uh, 617 as we kind of get this uh, Tuesday already. Tuesday. Don't know where the weekend went. It's already here. But yeah, holiday shortened week. So again, uh, that's always, you know, crams a lot of stuff into one day. We're, we're going to kind of see a, a backup in kind of some economic reports out as well, you know, because again, yesterday's reporting is, is pushed forward to today. So we'll kind of take a look at that I, again. You know, there's a lot of things that are going on uh, currently and, you know, a lot of confusion now because of what's going on. The Supreme Court, of course, uh, overturned the vaccine mandate. But companies are now, like Apple and Google, are saying, hey, well, we're still going to require, you know, regular testing and you have to still wear a mask and all this. So, again, lots of confusion over this. And this is going to impact employment to some degree. Um, people choosing, you know, they want to work from home, they don't want to deal with it, whatever. Companies are going to, have to start making a decision. And this is going to be something interesting to watch this year. It'll be something interesting to watch in earnings as well. Um, you know, we see a lot of, you know, on the job front, we see a lot of talk about, you know, we've got record job openings, right? We've got uh, surging wages. Well, it's interesting if you actually take a look at wage growth as a good example of this. I've got an article coming out on Friday talking about the good, bad, and ugly of wages. And you know, it's interesting you say, well, wages are going up. That's good. It is good, right? If you're getting a wage, you know, who doesn't want a pay raise, right? Brent want a pay raise? Yeah, of course he does. I want a pay raise? Sure I do. Always, right? I mean, nobody ever says, nah, really, I'm good. I don't want a pay raise. Keep your money. I'll work harder. I'll put in extra time, but you just keep your money because, you know, I don't really need a pay raise. It doesn't work that way. 
Everybody wants a pay raise. Problem is, is when wages don't keep up with inflation. But and, and it's and it's a bit more of a interesting phenomenon when you take a look at what's happening with wages currently. Guess who's getting more pay raises? Women. Wage growth for women is outpacing the wage growth of men. So there you go. Uh, second thing is, is where are most of the wages increasing? It's in the 18 to 24 age group. What jobs do 18 to 24-year-olds tend to populate, right? Are they high-end executive positions? No. If you actually take a look at, and this is a chart I've got in Friday's report that's coming out, if you take a look at the breakdown of wages, uh, we can break down wages into two kind of categories. One is the top 20% of income earners, which tend to be your supervisory positions, right? So those are your CEOs, managers, you know, executives, et cetera. In companies, and then you've got your 80% of your labor force, which is workers, guys that are producing stuff, right? Got to have those guys. Well, that's 80% of your labor force. Where job increases occurring, wage growth is occurring in the bottom 80%, not the top 20. And this is because companies are having to make choices, right? It's like uh, Brent and I own the company, and we have so much income coming into the company. And we say, okay, look, we got, we're going to have to hire two more people to handle the demand that's coming in. That's awesome, right? Unfortunately, we've got to pay them more, so we're not going to get a pay raise this year. Our, my wage and, and Brent's wage doesn't go up because we've only got so much income coming into the company and we're having to deal with higher costs. Our profit margins are under pressure. So Brent and I can't, take a, can't get a pay raise, but our employees do. So there you go. That's how that this is occurring in the in the market currently. That's that's the good side, right? People are getting wages. Problem is, it's not keeping up with inflation. Real wages are running about two percent below inflation. So again, that starts to feed back into, well, I can't afford to pay my bills because I don't have enough money. Even with my, I got this man, I got this awesome raise at work. I went from making nine dollars an hour to fifteen. Still can't make ends meet because gas is now $4 a gallon, whatever it is, right? So that has an impact on the economy. So what does this have to do with jobs and, and everything else? Well, companies are going to have to make a decision. And they're going to have to make a decision here very soon as we get into 2022. Now, when, when we're talking about earnings here for a second, we're talking about fourth quarter earnings. So we're going to be looking at earnings that happened last quarter. That was just the point to where inflation was really starting to become a problem. Now inflation has gone from, oh, being this transient issue to now being a more persistent problem. So what we're going to see in earnings reports from company now on a reported basis will probably be okay. Pay attention to guidance. Guidance is going to be the important thing. What do they say about the rest of this year? Inflation's a problem. And, and, and again, now we've got to go back to a, you know, what companies are going to have to deal with going forward. Do they, they have going to start making a choice? Well, do I want to have, you know, do I want to, you know, try to stick to this idea of having all my employees tested, making sure they all have vaccines, boosters, whatever. Um, what am I do about work at home? Right. People are people. And, and we've got studies out that show that people are less productive working at home. Um, companies have this, this massive amount of office space. They want their employees to return to work so they can pick up productivity. 
but employees are starting to kind of push back on this. They've got room to quit and move to get a different job right now. And so there's this battle going on in terms of the employment market that's going to continue over the course of this year. The question is going to be ultimately how companies deal with wage pressures and if those wage pressures continue. Now, here's the, the ugly side of rising wages. Slowly rising wages are not problematic. If wages are just kind of kind of creeping up with economic growth, inflation's kind of moving up with, with economic growth, that's okay. When you have very sharp spikes in wages, and particularly when you have a sharp spike in wages and inflation without underlying economic growth spiking as well, you wind up that is a more of a pre-recessionary mark for the economy. In other words, it's about the peak of economic activity. And the reason is simply because you're talking about increased cost. Costs are increasing for businesses. Now, they've got a business have a choice. I can either pass that along to customers if I can. And that's what I was saying in the first segment is when you're starting to look at how to position your portfolio now over the course of this year, you've got to really start thinking in terms of, okay, this company, can this company pass on costs to consumers? Does this company have a product, good, or service that people cannot live without? They've got to buy it regardless of the cost. Gasoline's a good example of that. And that's why energy companies have been doing very well this year so far, because from a valuation basis and the fact that people can, well, they don't have a choice. They're going to buy gasoline. Um, they've been doing very well because these are companies that are going to can, can pass along cost very easily to their consumers. Again, as I said earlier, things that people can defer. I don't necessarily need to buy a new iPhone right now. I don't need to buy a new Android phone right now. I don't need to go buy a new pair of shoes today. Um, things that I can defer. That's where we're going to see earnings impacts. So you really want to kind of start thinking about your portfolio, at least a portion of your portfolio, being more of a steady, stable growth environment. That's not every company, right? Disney is a good example. One thing we're going to see when prices start to go up and wages become more problematic and we get a slower economic environment, people will start making a choice about things like how many streaming services do they have? Do they take a trip to Disney World this year or do they postpone it till later? So you want to be careful just assuming that's because something because a company is considered to be a value stock, it doesn't necessarily mean it is a value stock. And those are two very different things. Coca-Cola is a good example of that. Coca-Cola trades at a very expensive multiple and isn't growing earnings nearly fast enough to support that multiple. It's not a value stock. It's a good company, right? Who doesn't like a Coke? Have a Coke and a smile. But you got to be careful. Not every company, just because it's in a value basket, doesn't mean it's a valued company. And so you want to be careful about that. Um, 
earnings are going to come under pressure. The more inflation remains persistent, the more the Fed hikes rates, the more, the more monetary liquidity in the market is reduced, inflation is going to matter. That's going to impact earnings. And that's also one other side of this. There's no more bailouts or stimulus coming. Right now, the Democrats are pushing very hard to get the Democrats to overturn the filibuster in the Senate so they can try to force through the Build Back Better plan. I think there's enough Democrats in the Senate, outside of Cinema and Mansion, that will resist that idea of overturning the filibuster because there is a very high probability that the Democrats lose one or both houses this November. And if you overturn the filibuster and lose the houses, that's going to be a very bad situation for the Democrats come post-November. I mean, so, you know, there's a, there's a very high likelihood that filibuster will not get overturned. And in that case, there's no more stimulus coming, which already we're seeing the impact of that stimulus leaving the system. Remember, um, the last of the real kind of stimulus supports from the previous bills was closed out in December, and that was the extended, extended child tax credit. So all that extra money flowing into households is now stopped. And now we're back down to what people are just earning on their incomes, and that isn't keeping up, as I said before, real wages aren't keeping up with inflation. Lots of headwinds this year. It's not going to be an easy year to navigate. Now, does that mean that the market's going to crash and you should just be all in cash? No. But again, I think being selective about the risk you take in your portfolio is going to be very important. We'll come back and talk a little bit more about this after the break. Don't go away. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com so just kind of a uh, interesting headline out this morning the new uh, governor of virginia is, uh, of course is passing a executive order that repeals mask mandates from all the schools. And his reasoning is, is that's what the parents wanted, and that's why he was elected, so we're going to follow what the parents are saying. And it's interesting because now the, the biggest school districts in Virginia are pushing back, saying we don't have to follow your executive order because state legislature says that we have to follow the guidelines of the CDC. The CDC says you have to wear a mask. Interestingly enough... The CDC just admitted that cloth masks are ineffective. So this is going to be this is going to be an interesting thing to watch because this is going to kind of spread across the nation for a lot of these uh, parents who have been you know fighting with school districts. And again, we kind of go back to you know this this goes back to earnings. This goes back to getting employees back to work. This goes back to um, 
commercial real estate as well. Um, one of the areas that we've talked about before is that is interesting is commercial real estate because all of a sudden there's a lot of companies that have decided to use this mandate, or I shouldn't say it's not mandate, the whole you know virus mandates, et cetera, to you know build this hybrid work environment. And what they're finding out is it's not nearly as productive <laughs> as having people in the office. Surprise. Um, you know, people working at home tend to get distracted to do other things. And, you know, there's there's people that can work at home, right? There are. They're, they're very dedicated. They're diligent. Um, younger generation, not so much. They tend to get distracted. Um so it's going to be interesting to watch because now companies are going, hey, we need employees to come back to work. A, we have all this office space we're paying for, um, so we need people to come back to work. And companies that are going to be opting for a more permanent fixture of hybrid work is going to be interesting because that means they need less office space. That's going to impact the market. Now, here's the other side of this. A lot of the of the quit rates that we've talked about lately are individuals that say, well, I'm looking for a job where I can work from home. My company won't let me, so I want to work at home. I'm going to switch jobs. And right now, those jobs are paying. I can switch jobs and find a job to work from home and get paid the same amount. Eventually, what will happen here is that companies will say, okay, this job pays X dollars if you work in the office, right? This job pays $80,000 a year but you have to work in the office. If you want to work at home, that's okay. We're going to pay you 60 to do the job. The reason will be to start using that salary discrepancy to push employees back to working in offices. Or if you want to work at home, that's fine. I can have less office space. I'll pay you less for the same work. So this is going to be something interesting to watch here over the course of the and again we're we're very early into this but as the pandemic becomes endemic and we start treating it like a normal flu then all of a sudden the you know oh, I'm sick I can't come into I can't come to work for 10 days 5 days whatever it is is going to go away and this is then we'll have this shift back to normalcy within the employment environment to both increase productivity maximize efficiency and and you know, manage profits. And really, this, this is what this all comes down to is, is profitability. And if I've got to maintain, if, if I'm Apple and I just built just built a $5 trillion campus, kind of want people to come work in it, right? I mean, this is, you know, this is kind of a, you know, kind of a thing. So anyway, I, I, I just about $5 trillion. If you haven't seen the, the spaceship that they built in California, it's, it's quite impressive. Um, it's multi-billion dollar building. So I can't imagine that they would, you know, if you build the Death Star, you want your stormtroopers on it, right? <laughs> stormtroopers don't get to work from home when you have a Death Star. That's all I'm saying. So anyway, it'll be interesting to watch. So getting back to work here, though, um, you know, again, markets are, are going to be wrestling with this wrestling. I'm from Texas. Yes, wrestling. Markets will be wrestling with, you know, this inflationary push. And more importantly, you know, everybody's trying to get their hands around what the Fed is going to do right now. Now, interestingly enough, if you take a look at the Fed balance sheet, I had this in our newsletter this weekend. The Fed's balance sheet has not shrunk at all right now. 
Um, in fact, they're still buying a fairly large amount of bonds every week. The QE, um, you know, interest rate hike, monetary policy tightening combo really hasn't started yet. And this is kind of interesting because here we are in January. And now we're talking about rate hikes in March. What the Fed is now saying is that they're going to do a slow QT, which is that as bonds mature, they're not going to replace them. And then eventually they'll just kind of start cutting back the rate at which they're buying new bonds. But that kind of that slow unwind is going to be interesting because that will overlay the QT. Now, now what we were talking about earlier in, in October, November is that they were going to wind down quantitative easing first and then hike rates. Now we're talking about a slow QT, which is this quantitative tightening. So that means you'll now have an overlap of liquidity still coming into the system while they start hiking rates, which ironically is something that we said they should do several months ago. They should have been hiking rates Last year, while they had $120 billion a month in QE going on and $5 trillion worth of liquidity still sitting in the system, that's when you should have hiked rates. You could have quelled inflation, held up economic growth because of all the liquidity. Markets would have been stabilized a bit by the you know ongoing quantitative easing. Hike rates, get that to a more normalized level. Then, once the economy adjusts to that new level of higher rate, then you start to remove the quantitative easing. And then you kind of get back to some normalcy. The problem for the Fed, of course, is that they've got to be careful of where they are. It was interesting this morning. China is saying that the Fed should not raise interest rates. Now, this is kind of interesting because why is China concerned about the Fed hiking interest rates? And the reason is, is that they understand that when we start hiking rates, that's going to crimp our consumption of foreign products because it's going to slow economic growth. Once you begin reducing monetary liquidity, it has not only domestic impacts, it has global impacts. And it, it's interesting to hear a, you know, China, which right now, for instance, China's halted all foreign mail right now due to COVID threat. They've reported 80 new cases, cases in Taijin. So they're saying, don't hike rates now, <laughs> right? We don't, need, we don't need tighter policy. But the Fed's got to look at this from, from really a choice of lesser of two evils. If I don't hike rates and I continue with my foot on the pedal, I've got inflation running rampant. That has negative economic consequences. Stock market will be okay, but I'm going to crush the bottom 80% of consumers. Take a look at the Consumer Confidence Index. It just recorded the lowest level since 2014. Consumer confidence is falling fairly rapidly because of inflation concerns. The other choice is, is that the Fed hikes rates and they allow the market to crash a bit, but they get to reduce inflation potentially helping the bottom end of the economy. Now, what there's, you know, and this is really coming down to the choice of lesser of two evils. Which one, look, both options hurt. The question one is, which one can you survive better? 
rampant inflation that impacts the vast majority of the economy or a declining stock market, which really kind of impacts the top 10% of the wealthiest people in the country because that's who owns 90% of the stock market. There's no easy solution. The question is, is which one can you tolerate more? And, and the idea is, is I, hike, I can hike rates, I can quell inflation, then I can come back and salvage the stock market. And the question is really, how bad does the stock market get before they give up on the inflation push? So again, this, this, this is not an easy situation for anyone. And this is why, as we were talking about earlier, this is why a little extra cash, a little higher level of fixed income and portfolios are things that will help kind of help you weather whatever comes out. Now, now look, I don't have any idea what, you know, if you said, Lance, put a number on the S&P by the end of the year. I have no idea. It could be 5,500 or 4,000. I mean, it could be literally anywhere on that range. If it goes up, great, that's easy. If it goes down, not so easy, because now we've got to try to figure out how to get back to even. Don't have any idea how that's going to work out. So this is why you know we have to be thinking now about where do we want to be positioned. And that's going to be a very tough forecast because there's so many variables going on. You can make a bet that the market's going to go down and you could very well be wrong. You could also be betting the market's going to go up and you could be very wrong. So the only thing that we can do is to try to build more of an all-weather type portfolio to weather whatever comes out in the markets. If the market goes down, we perform a little bit better. If the market goes up, we perform not quite as good. Still make money, but just not as much as the market. What's more important? Come back, wrap up the show. Don't go away. news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com all right getting ready to wrap up the show for this tuesday as we get back to work markets are going to be opening down about 250 points on the dow about 50 points on the s&p um, Goldman Sachs just reporting earnings a second ago, a little bit better than expectations. We'll see how that market fares. Dow, uh, NASDAQ's going to be down about 230 points at the open. So um, tough sliding day um, at the open again. But we saw this again on Friday. So, you know, markets recovered fully on Friday, actually uh, ending up positive for the day. Question will be is can they pull that rabbit out of their hat again for a second day? We'll, we'll see. Now, the important thing is, and we have this in our daily market commentary this morning, uh, markets have been holding that uptrend. It's also in our uh, technically speaking post this morning. Um, there are certainly risks to the downside here. Be a little bit careful of, and you know. But we've done about one third of the retracement from the October lows to January peak retracement. 
So we are getting into a oversold condition here. So again, I want you to be careful. Don't panic sell, right? This is a, a bad time to be making sell decisions without really kind of a, a deep thinking uh, about it, right? You, you know, I know there's some pressure in certain stocks and certain things, but be careful selling them here. You're likely going to get a counter trend rally, and that would give you a better opportunity to rebalance those positions in your portfolio. You know, but, but again, a lot of the companies are under a tremendous amount of pressure. These companies that came public over the last couple of years had huge valuations. Peloton's a good example of this. Peloton was $20 a, a share um, after they came public. And if you, if you don't know who Peloton is, they're the, the bikes, right? You, the in-home bikes and things. And, you know, they kind of took the nation by storm. It was great. And, of course, when we did the shutdown, the stock went from $20 to like $180, right? Just huge run-up because everybody was going to be biking at home now because we were all shut down. Um, and, I, look, I know several, my, my, several of my neighbors all bought Pelotons. They are now coat racks, <laughs> which is usually the case with home exercise equipment. Um, you know, and, and just by the way, um, my wife and I both run, run a good bit, and we work out daily and you know i work i have we have a gym here at our office complex so i work out here a lot but on weekends you know we generally run or work out at home and we burn through treadmills probably once a year you know um we never buy a new treadmill we buy treadmills on facebook for like 100 bucks because people go buy these treadmills, they turn them into coat racks. I mean, and literally we buy almost brand new <laughs> treadmills for literally 100 bucks, 200 bucks, 300 bucks, right? People just want to get rid of them. And so never buy a new treadmill. Never buy a new bike. Buy them online. You're going to get them a whole lot cheaper and almost brand new. And best part is, in a lot of cases, they'll deliver them to your house for free. <laughs> Yeah, I just want to get this out of my house. Um, but the point is, is, is Peloton is a good example of this, right? Uh, Peloton stock is now $30 a share, down from 160 It's almost back to where it started. Peloton announced today, and if you own a Peloton, might want to read your fine print, because Peloton will now hit customers with hundreds of dollars in fees for bikes, citing inflation woes. Also could be the fact that not as many people are buying their bikes because, well, they're going back out into the world, right? It's like working at home is great. I want to go back to the gym and see people. Persistent inflation, and I'm reading from the article, persistent inflation and snarl supply chains are some of the reasons why Peloton Interactive Inc. is about to tack on a $250 delivery service for its bikes and an additional $350 for its treadmill. And the fine print and delivery and setup fee will be applied to every bike and bike plus after January 31st. Um, here's what the fine print says. All access uh, membership separate. Delivery and setup included with the Peloton bike purchase through 1-30-2022. Um, and after that, prices are going up. And it's interesting because, uh, again, this is... A, now, okay, so specifically speaking, what company should I own in my portfolio? The Peloton is not one of them. <laughs> because this is a company where their demand is shifting. Their growth rate 
is shifting and slowing down fairly dramatically. So when you're talking about wanting to own a company in your portfolio, because Peloton is beaten up, it's gone from 160 back to 30, doesn't mean it's a value. Because their earnings and their growth are going to slow. Unless we happen to lock down the entire economy again. And then people buy more coat rags. But, you know, this, this is the problem with all exercise equipment, right? And we've seen these kind of fads come to the front before. We've seen other exercise companies, they, they come hit, they go public, and they're like big gangbusters for about a year. And then they kind of fade because, again, there's only so many people that are going to buy home exercise fitness equipment. And then after I buy your bike, I've got to continue to subscribe to the service. And, yeah, you know, as I've talked about before, the gym business, owning a gym is a great business. I used to build gyms back in the early 90s. And the reason that gym business is so good is because you make everybody come in. They all have to put it on their credit card or draft on their checking account, whatever. You don't get to write, you don't get to show up and pay $5 to work out at the gym, right? You got to have a membership. The reason they all make you buy memberships is because we all know you're not going to come back after the first couple of weeks. And I'm going to keep collecting that membership every single month. You won't cancel the membership because you're going to tell yourself that you need to go to the gym. And so you'll keep the membership for now because you're going to start your diet and exercise program on Monday. Every Monday is the day you're going to start. You never do, but Monday's the day you're going to start. And so you keep paying that membership. Same way with Peloton. Where their money is is in their membership fees. But eventually people go, you know what? I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to, I'll sell the bike and... I'll get rid of the membership. So this isn't an area that's this is a good example of a company you don't want to own in your portfolio versus a company that you do like ExxonMobil. Because that is a product, as we said before, you're gonna to have to have. You're gonna pay for gas. Be thinking about electricity. Utilities are are have been under pressure, but utilities are gonna be a area where you're probably going to want to own more of them, particularly as we get more green. This idea that we're all going to have, you know, electric vehicles and we're all going to be driving around the country on electric vehicles is going to be great. We're going to have less carbon emissions, except for the fact that just as China is finding out, <laughs> you need more electricity because you now have a multiplication of the number of people that are drawing on the electric grid. And we only have so much electricity already, and now you're going to double, triple that need, that demand on the electric grid. You're going to have to something you can produce electricity fast enough and efficient enough to meet that demand. That's not solar and wind. So be thinking long term about utilities because demand will be there. This is an area where demand will only increase over time. So that's and, and really, as we start getting further into this year, be thinking about your portfolio that way. Where is it that regardless of inflation and regardless of economic growth, demand will persist? I can get rid of my Peloton bike. I can cut off my subscription because I'm not using it anyway. Still have to fill up my car. Still have to go to the store and buy groceries. And, you know, this is, this is when we talk about inflation, this is why it's so important 
to be looking at inflation properly because while we strip out food and energy out of the inflation, we say, well, core inflation is only X, right? Once we strip out food and energy from CPI. Hey, I get why, right? Those two are very volatile. So if we get down, if we strip those two out, then we kind of see a more trended core inflation. I get it. But for consumers, they deal with food and energy every week. And if those prices are surging and their wages aren't keeping up with that, they have to turn to debt. And that's why we're seeing a big surge in credit card usage because they've got to make ends meet. And the only way I can make ends meet is once I run out of cash, I got to turn to credit. And while we're thinking about it, you may want to rethink about uh, flying over the next few weeks. Uh, the rollout of 5G airlines are now warning it will interfere with their navigation and flight systems. <laughs> so driving may be a better option until they get this whole 5G thing rolled out. <laughs> You mean they didn't see that coming? <laughs> well, I, you know, just finally after years, you know, you could get on an airplane and actually use Wi-Fi. Now they're going to roll it all back again, right. right? Until they figure out how they can charge you for it. And that Bingo. was the only reason you couldn't use your Wi-Fi on an airplane to start with until they figured out how they could charge you for it. So anyway, um, wrapping up the show for the day, uh, again, just uh, be careful. Today is going to be a bit of a week open, and you know we'll see how today plays out. We saw this on Friday, had a week open, retested support. You know There was a, a brief moment there where you kind of wanted to panic and sell everything. It's like, oh, my gosh, and the market rallied through the rest of the day. Um, let's kind of wait, see how the market opens today, see how it responds kind of start slowly making changes as we get better indications but again markets oversold here so be a little bit careful about knee-jerk reactions at this point all right get by the website and as we uh as i said earlier on the website if you go there our technically speaking post out today talking about the january statistics of the markets where we are uh, some thoughts about what happens from here. That's all on the website now, realinvestmentadvice.com, along with our latest newsletter. That's also out as well on the website. Just simply click the newsletter link. Make sure you subscribe to our daily market commentary, simplevisor.com, our do-it-yourself portfolio system. It's all on the website, all there to help you manage your money better, realinvestmentadvice.com. See you back here again tomorrow. It's a rich man's world. It's a rich man's world.